Hi, everyone. Welcome to the May 21st, 2021 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's get right to it. Mayor Mike Kaufman is causing a stir with his latest proposal to implement an urban camping ban for the city of Aurora. Kaufman stated that homelessness is becoming, quote, more and more visible. He claims the ban would be part of an effort to create designated areas for the homeless to go to support services. Patty Calhoun from Westward, uh, we know how the camping ban is done in Denver. Uh, while it's faced some lawsuits, it's been pretty popular with voters. It was just kind of reaffirmed uh, an election or two ago from Denver voters. How do you think this is going to sit in Aurora? Well, Aurora, like every other town in the metro area, is looking at a major influx of homelessness. And it's a big concern. I mean, you look at Park Hill, for example, which is five residents there just filed suit to get rid of a proposed safe camping site. Fortunately, the judge threw that out, but they still have ways to go. The safe camping sites have been really successful in Denver. You've got two, in one in North Capitol Hill, one in South Capitol Hill. They've done very well. They're moving. One's going to go to Park Hill. One's going to go to Regis. And part of the plan that Mike Kaufman is pro- proposing would have a safe camping site connected to a shelter. So at least he's offering an option, which is you aren't just on the street in an unofficial encampment. You're at a safe site where you have access to services, not just mental health services and job services, but actual showers and water. And so that's good. You also have to give him credit that he went on the streets for seven days at the end of last year, and he came up with some very controversial conclusions. He didn't like what he saw in the unofficial encampments. He said people were there by choice. There was a lot of firing back at him because of that. But he also said the people who were in the shelters were there trying to truly get help. And I think he really is pushing to get services. Will this go through in Aurora? Tough to tell. I mean, we have Mm. camping bans that have survived in Boulder. Denver's is currently the focus of a lawsuit. But you know that Mike Kaufman has looked at it and has tried to make sure that if he can get it through counsel, he'll get it through the courts. Well, also join us in our expanded now format here in the studio, uh, Ed Sealover, great reporter from the Denver Business Journal and also an award winner now, uh, named by the Society of Professional Journalists as Colorado's Journalist of the Year. Congratulations. Thank and you. It's fantastic to have you here. Uh, Mike Kaufman uh, got a lot of news from his, uh, I want to say a tour, but his experience as a, a homeless for about seven days earlier this year. Uh, and he faces in Aurora a, a, a city council that has not always seen his way. Do you think he can make this happen in Aurora. Well, let's remember this about the city council is that he's got some extreme opposition on there. He's also got some friends on there, too. This is a roughly split council of, uh, uh, of conservatives and, and, and some very liberal forces as well. Um, <laughs> Here's what I think Mike is looking at. He, he's looking at, as we mentioned, the idea that Denver backed this up during the election in 2019, the fact that a place like Boulder can pass something like this. But I think he's also looking at the idea that uh, the folks who have been most vehement about opposing these camping uh, bans are those who say this is heartless. You are just pushing them off the streets. And so Kaufman, for his credit, comes out with his first description here saying, look, we are going to move them into both a shelter and a campsite. But he also says we're going to do services. And I think that is the piece that has often been missing from these conversations. And when this was a big issue in the 2019 mayoral race, when people were accusing uh, Denver Mayor Michael Hancock of being heartless about this, they said, look, you're just pushing them out. And Hancock came back and said, look, we need to do more. We need to get them mental health services. We need to get them job training services. We need to get them ready uh, to move off the streets. If Kaufman can do that, he might be able to thread a needle with some of the uh, more wavering or more moderate members of his council. But he's got 
got to find that from the start and not be talking about it years later like Denver is. I think that's going to be the key to where we see this go. Also join us in the studio, Michael Fields, Executive Director at Colorado Rising State Action. Uh, Michael, it's great to have you here. Uh, Mike Hoffman is someone who knows Aurora pretty well. He represented it uh, as a current congressman for many years until he was defeated by current representative Jason Crow. Uh, and he knows how diverse the city is and how much it's growing. Uh, but this is something that is going to, I don't know, it's going to face some opposition. Does he have the support and the knowledge of Aurora to make this happen? I think that's to be determined. Um, you look at, at the council, as Ed mentioned, uh, you have a diversity ideologically. You have a, a, a system where there's not a strong mayor. He's not a strong mayor, and so he doesn't even get a vote on this unless it's a tie. And so you have people that are all the way from self-described socialists to really conservative. So it'll be an interesting discussion to see. But I think his experience in the city for that long, as long as he's been there, been a representative there, the relationships he's able to build uh, going out on the street him, himself for, for those seven days. Uh, but I think the important thing with this is knowing that you know, this isn't trying to fix homelessness. This camping ban isn't trying to fix homelessness. It's not intended to. Um, you know, obviously, homelessness has a lot of issues involved from unemployment to uh, substance abuse to mental health uh, and a lot of other issues. And what we do know, though, is that 85% of Coloradans right now think that homelessness is a crisis. And so I hope this leads to a broader discussion. But I think those designated sites are the key uh, to maybe getting this through and saying, look, there's a safe, sanitary place uh, where people can go. But people don't want random camps all over the city. Uh, and I think, you know, Mayor Kaufman is looking at Denver and saying, we don't want that necessarily to happen in Aurora. Let's start uh, this process, this discussion now. And so I think it's smart to do it. And joining us remotely for the very first time, making her premiere on Colorado Inside Out, Caitlin Kim, Washington, D.C. reporter from Colorado Public Radio. Caitlin, it's wonderful to have you here. Uh, people, you've probably heard uh, uh, Caitlin's great reporting on CPR. You've probably also heard her on one of my favorite podcasts, Purplish. So, Caitlin, it's great to have you. Um, as you look at this, even though you're concentrating with your reporting in Washington, D.C., with somebody like Mike Kaufman uh, hitting a big issue like this and probably facing the uh, kind of the pushback he's going to get from his own city council, what stands out to you as the things to look at from this announcement this week? Well, thanks. Uh, it's great to be here. Um, I think for me, what's interesting is, you know, of Mike, I, I know of Mike Kaufman's reputation from when he was in Congress. This is seeing Mike Kaufman, sort of the executive, and, I, you know, how he has sort of gotten out in front of this issue, probably before really talking with the city council, which I think is one of the frustrations. And that, I think, has been one of the things that you've seen, the dynamic this last year over some of the, the issues that the pandemic has brought up, the executive branch sort of getting out ahead before the legislative branch and, and the consternation that's caused. So that's, that's one of the dynamics that I've been looking at for this. Well, it's very interesting, and I think it's going to be something interesting to watch as uh, we look ahead. Let's get to our next topic. A new program could provide payments of up to $1,600 to unemployed individuals who find employment. The, quote, Colorado Jumpstart Incentive was created via an executive order issued by Governor Jared Polis. Polis says the money will help people return to the workforce by covering many of the initial expenses a new job requires, such as daycare, transportation, and work attire. Ed, we start with you on this one. Uh, you know, you look at a great program like this and like, okay, this, this is probably going to help some people. But I also look at the job market in Colorado and I'm wondering how much help is needed. I don't know about these things, but you report the Never Business Journal. What do you think? Well, the word that I've heard most 
often used about this in, in the past couple of days is intriguing. There had been a lot of calls for Colorado to do the same thing that about 21 or 22 other states have done and just say we are no longer accepting the federal unemployment, extended unemployment be- uh, benefits, which give you an extra $300 a week. And in some cases for low paid jobs mean that you can actually make more money staying at home than you can going to work. Um, this is the middle ground that Polis is trying to cut. And, and, and Joe Borrello, the executive director of the Department of Labor and Employment, says, look, some people can't go back to work. For them, it may be, this may be the difference between being able to afford that child care or not. These are not people who are just sitting at home because they want more money. Um, but there's a lot of jobs out there. Just, just yesterday, uh, the Colorado Restaurant Association released a survey showing that 90% of their members have a labor shortage right now. So... Uh, the question is, if you weren't going for those jobs that are readily available, is $1,600 going to be enough to push you to it right now? I mean, the state's budgeted $57 million for this. They think they can get a lot of people on board. Um, I think we're going to find out pretty shortly. If you see a lot of people going for jobs right away, that's one thing. But you have so many stories of restaurants saying people will, will call in and then not come to an interview just because they want to say they looked for a job and, and stay home. Uh, or they'll give us false contact information so we can't call them to get them in for an interview. Um, I, I think we're... Uh, look, the, the best answer is we're going to find out soon enough whether this moves people off the bench. Uh, the state is seeing it as the middle ground. If it doesn't move people off the bench, I think you're going to hear calls to go farther. Michael, uh, with Jerry Polis' background, he's been known as a, you know, a progressive from Boulder, but also as a libertarian business person. He's got a big business background. Is he striking the right middle ground here, or is this a little trickier than it might look? Well, I think it's very tricky given the fact that the federal government, uh, you kind of have the federal government and the state government competing with each other in a way. Uh, you have the federal government incentivizing people to, to stay home because they're paying extra money. Then you have the state saying, here's extra money to, to go back to work. Uh, and it's all with our taxpayer money. And so I think, you know, this is a complex issue. I'm looking at this a little bit more broadly and saying, look, I understand, uh, what, one, we want to get people back to work. Two, Governor Polis is looking at those unemployment numbers uh, in Colorado and saying, you know, we've gone from fourth to, to third. 34th in, in the country. Uh, other states are figuring out how to plug people back into to jobs. Um, and, and my concern, though, is that long-term economic uh, forecast for our state. And you look at it, you have the legislature who's raising uh, fees on gas. They're raising taxes uh, on businesses by closing these loopholes. They're raising the Tabor cap. Uh, they're, they're not refilling the unemployment uh, trust fund. Um, and, and they're refusing, really, to, to deal with some of these long-term issues that businesses and individuals will face. And so I hope that things... You know, end up okay in the long run, but I'm looking at us rebuild this economy, and I just don't trust the legislature to get it done. Caitlin, I greatly appreciate the fact that we have somebody like you in D.C. that is helping interpret what's going on in D.C. and with federal benefits and how that's going to impact folks in, like, in Colorado and, and all the confusing factors there. I know I couldn't keep up with it, but when you look at this program coming from Governor Polis and how it kind of interacts with the federal uh, issues, what are the things that we need to know, uh, our viewers need to know about the details? Well, I think this is something that sort of Michael alluded to. What you've been hearing a lot from Republicans in Congress is the idea that this unemployment bonus, this federal unemployment bonus, has been deterring people from actually getting back to work. And I feel like the program that, that Governor Polis is, is this jumpstart program, is going to probably be used as a little cudgel to say, see, this, this is what we were talking about. Um, Democrats, I don't think, have they've talked about they, that workers need to feel safe or that it's not the pay. But a lot of what I've heard, and I think maybe Ed's reporting has probably done this better, is I've only heard anecdotal stuff. I'm sure other people have actually reported 
on the ground there about what is actually happening. But for me, this is sort of the dynamic that you're seeing in Congress, um, Republicans saying that we need to sort of stop with, with this, with the rescue stuff and stop with um, this kind of unemployment benefit that keeps people not working and do what they need to to get back back to working, which probably means getting rid of the unemployment bonus. Patty, uh, there's a lot of factors here, and we, this is not the first time we've tried it. We've seen Governor Polis try to thread that needle between, you know, all the way one way or all the way the other. Uh, do you think this one's going to work? Well, I think Ed's right. Intriguing is a great word for this because you're competing against the federal bump that they're getting and a beautiful summer in Colorado. Those two things generally will argue against going to work. I love it today that they're having a closed drive at the Capitol. I've been going to the office every day, and I'm just saying you can go out in your sweatpants. The office attire has definitely dropped over the last year. You know, if you had a mask on, you were dressed. So I'm not sure that is the issue that we really have to fund people for so they can go get office clothes. But $1,600 should be enough of a bump for those who want jobs and who need help on transportation, need help on child care to go out. And there are plenty of jobs right now. Restaurants especially are really, really hurting. And all of a sudden people want to go eat at restaurants. It's been a business so hard hit by the pandemic. And now that they can't get enough people to come work there when everyone wants to eat there, it's an interesting problem. Get them uniforms, get the people in. Yeah, the, the whole idea of dress code has absolutely changed. That's a, that's a great point. If you have a mask, you're ready to go. Let's get to our next topic. Colorado's plan to redistrict might mean big changes for some rural mountain counties in the 5th Congressional District. El Paso County has faced a big enough population growth that it might qualify to be its own district, separating it from counties like Chaffee, Teller, and Park. Michael, we'll start with you on this one. I think we're facing probably a lot of changes. I think you know, people think about a lot of growth in Colorado. My thing is just Denver. Well, a lot of places in Colorado have grown. Are, are, are we looking at a much different environment uh, for congressional districts once the redistricting is done? Yeah, there's no doubt, and especially because we got that eighth congressional seat now uh, that really changes the mix. And, and it's really interesting this year, especially because we did pass Y and Z amendments. We do have late census data that's coming, and so they've had to deal with how do you, you know, create maps without, you know, the, the firm data. And they're going to move forward with kind of estimates and have a map out by the end of June, a first map to kind of take around uh, the state. And I think that'll be interesting because I don't really see that much changing given the, the makeup of, you know, the Democrats, unaffiliated, and Republicans that are doing this. They all, a lot of them have to agree to change the map. And so I think that first map is going to be very interesting uh, to me. And, and to the point about El Paso County, it is almost its own district. Denver's going to be its own district. Aurora will probably anchor uh, its own one. You kind of build around that. And so I think the most likely outcome will be two really competitive congressional seats uh, that Republicans will probably be favored in this year, given the fact that you're a midterm of a, of a, pre, you know, a Democrat president, but uh, that could be really big battles in the future. So how that is all made up is going to be an interesting process for the rest of the year. Keelan, you reported on this earlier this week. Uh, there's a lot of changes, especially for mountain counties, like the ones mentioned here. Uh, there's some mountain counties that are in CD5. There's some mountain counties that are in CD2. Uh, you look at CD3, which includes a lot of that, but that could switch if Pueblo goes somewhere else. Uh, wh what are some of the issues our viewers need to know that are kind of in the details of what's going on? Well, so one of the issues are, are the requirements, the criteria that the Independent Redistricting Committee, Congressional Committee, needs to look at. And the big one and the sort of the more the most ambiguous one is this idea of communities of interest. And that's what these mountain communities that are part of the fifth that probably will not be part of the fifth going forward 
are, are really focused on. So you have counties like Chafee who are focused on sort of mountain mining, um, what used to be sort of the train outdoor recreation. Then you have counties like Fremont that are looking at, you know, things as random as prisons, um, agriculture, water, sort of water districts and water basins. There are a lot of things that make up um, what communities of interest can be. And I think that's probably going to be the most difficult thing about moving forward on redistricting because it's going to be tough and there's going to be one community that might be felt, might feel left out um, or that their, their concerns weren't considered compared to another community of interest. So it's, it's going to be a tough job ahead for the, uh, for the redistricting committee. Patty, there's uh, seven current congressional representatives uh, of, uh, let's assume they all want to continue their job in 2022. Which one needs to worry the most about the makeup of their district? Well, let's see, maybe Ken Buck, unless, of course, Weld County could just become its own state. I think it's moving (laughs) that direction anyway, so that would make it a little easier. You know, this communities of interest issue becomes so tricky because geography is maybe the least of the things they have in common. When you look at the different kinds of mountain communities there are, the ones that are going for tourism, the ones that are going for ag, the ones that are going for prison, but they're contiguous. So what do you do? How do you come up with true communities of interest? And I just can't even imagine what it would be like to draw a map with contiguous areas that make sense. It is going to be very, very tricky. Denver obviously is going to be pretty much set. But beyond that, all bets are going to be off. Ed, assuming Ken Buck is not going to primary Liz Cheney to represent Wyoming, uh, what do you think is going to be uh, some of the biggest changes we'll see from the map that we've been used to for a while? Well, I I think going back to this issue, the the big question is, I mean, you're going to have to have about 775,000 people per district. Uh, The question is... Who are you willing to split up? Because these smaller counties, the the ones that say, I want to be with rural counties, you can't just be with rural counties. There's a reason that the 3rd Congressional District is the fourth largest district in America that's not its own state. Um, It's because you have to put together every small city and county in the state to make it up. And and so when Fremont and Teller and all those look at those and say, we want to be part of a mountain district, well, Maybe you could be in the third district, but you might also be stuck on to Jefferson County. You might see Pueblo stuck around to uh, Douglas County in order to create a district. Who knows? This is going to be tough, but I don't think that the counties that are holding out for the rural district should put a lot of hope in it. That's not how they make these districts. Let's get to our last topic. Two former Loveland officers who stood trial for arrest, uh, will stand trial for arresting a 73-year-old woman with dementia have been criminally charged. Meanwhile, the Denver District Attorney has ruled the shooting of a 47-year-old man accused of armed robbery a justified act. Uh, Caitlin, we start with you on this one. Uh, uh, clearly, we're, we're going to see a lot more issues when it comes to police officers, whether they be in Loveland or Denver or across the nation. Uh, I guess what stands out to you as you look at these stories this week? Um, again, from my perch here in D.C., I think the big issue for me is the idea that policing reform is still actually negotiations are ongoing in Congress, that Congress does want to do something. It might not get something done by Memorial Day, which is the, the deadline that President Biden had set out. But, you know, negotiations are ongoing between uh, Republican Senator um, uh, Scott, Tim Scott, um, and Democratic Senator Cory Booker and Representative Karen Bass in the House. And and the fact that they haven't really been leaking tells me that they have they're making progress slowly, but making progress. So I, I think Congress does want to act on the idea of policing reform sooner rather than later. 
Patty, we saw some really graphic video on the Loveland situation. So uh, I guess criminal charges following uh, their dismissal um, wasn't surprising to me when you have it in that, in that kind of a detail. Um, but then we also see the situation in Denver, and I'm not sure if there's as much video to watch there, but that seems to kind of be the next thing. Is like, you know, what happened and what video can we watch? Are, are we seeing an ever-evolving situation when it comes to how we're handling policing in Colorado? Well, to just today, the Denver Police Task Force released their 112 recommendations for how policing should be changed in Denver. So there will be hearings on that next week. People can weigh in. But that is really going to change how, even if they're not accepted, it's going to change how Denver's looking at it. But you shouldn't need a task force to tell Loveland what those officers did was wrong. And it took a year for that to break forward. Thankfully, there were cameras. But no one should have to be, you don't need a task force to say, don't manhandle a little old lady with dementia who maybe was shoplifting $13 worth of stuff and then was accosted while picking wildflowers. And then don't laugh about how her arm popped when it broke. It's the most appalling behavior, and you don't need a task force to say this is not the way anyone should handle an elderly person. And it seems to me that this is only going to grow as a situation. You're going, to more, you're going to see more video. There's going to be more audio and more questions. And hopefully if that roots out um, the very small percentage of officers that are capable of doing these kinds of things, that's a good thing. But i got to believe there's some, com- some complicating factors to it as well. When you see these headlines this week, what stands out to you? What stood out to me is I think when there was so much debate about policing reform, it was assumed it would be going after bad white cops who are picking on black citizens. Here we have a prime example of you know a white woman being the target. And, and as you see the Colorado legislature consider it, more policing reform bills, I think add this all up and what it says to me is the glare is going to be on police, period. It doesn't matter what neighborhood you're in. It doesn't matter who you are. I think that's only going to pick up in, in uh, future years until we stop hearing more and more about these. So what this uh, headline says to me is, look, the, the spotlight is on you and it's going to stay on you until these incidents stop. Michael, do you see uh, some positive changes coming from something like this? Is it about more body cam uh, footage from police officers? Is it uh, more accountability? And where is that fine line so that the the vast majority of police officers that are doing the right job, doing the right thing in a very difficult situation, are supported while the the very small percentage that aren't are dealt with? Yeah, I think that's the the hard part, the tension here. Uh, I think these situations were just so different, watching the video on the one uh, versus reading the story on the other. Uh, you know, you had, I totally agree with, with Patty's assessment of this did not need to happen. I mean, it was horrible what happened. Uh, watching that video, this this lady should have never been dealt with that way. And then they, they you know, didn't bring her to a hospital. They, you know, false reported it. I mean, it was just horrible. But in the other case, I mean, it was a, a, a suspect who killed somebody, is running away, is holding other people up in their cars, I mean, that's a safety concern, and so I think, you know, the investigation is good. I think you can find themes in this, but they're all, they are also fact-specific, and you have to look at each case. Um, but I do like the fact that there are body cams in a lot of these situations where we can assess ourselves and look at it uh, and see, you know, where, do we, is this somebody we need to support because they were doing a good job or somebody who was, uh, you know, abusing that system? And so uh, I think it's going to be, as Ed said, an ongoing discussion, um, but I think we, we, you know, really need to look at the facts in each one of these cases. It's time for a very fair part of the show, Disgrace of the Week. As always, Ms. Calhoun, please start us off. 
We need to have the governor quit making news between noon and 8 o'clock on a Friday. So we sat here last week. We didn't know what was going to happen with the mask rule in Colorado. All of a sudden, all hell broke loose about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And we had a very chaotic weekend as businesses tried to decide what they could and should do. And that's still continuing. Some businesses want to demand that people wear masks. They don't know if they can. The city of Denver says they've got to talk to their lawyer. It's still really up in the air. Let's hope it settles down and people become safe. And all the news is broken before noon. <laughs> yes, will continue to be a, a never-lasting disgrace in this program. Uh, Ed, we go to you for your disgrace of the week. Look, I get that it is hard to represent the QAnon shaman from the January 6th Capitol riot, but Attorney Albert Waters' statements that he and the others involved there were short bus people or retarded shows a vulgar lack of respect for people who are, quite frankly, much better people and more productive in society than his clients or him. Michael, we go to you. Yeah, so last weekend there was a uh, volleyball tournament, uh, the Colorado Crossroads, Crossroads Volleyball Tournament, and uh, they didn't let a coach in who was nursing a baby because they didn't allow kids under 16. Uh, I just felt like, you know, the coach shouldn't have had to pick between coaching her team and feeding her baby. Uh, you know, I think it's just amazing that, you know, we have to say this, that nursing babies should be allowed to be with mothers wherever they are. And Caitlin, we go to you for your disgrace of the week. Um, and this might be a little bit personal because I was there on January 6th, but for me, it's sort of the how political the January 6th commission has gone. I mean, I feel like this is the one thing that should not be political, being able to figure out what led to the events of that day. So that's been kind of disappointing. Here, here. And it's, it's not as if we don't have video of that. It's, it's like, gosh, did it happen? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure we can point to the facts that it did happen. Time to say something nice, usually the toughest part of the show. Patty? One of the great things... Maybe the only great thing about the pandemic were the community efforts that grew out of it, like the howling in Denver and Pong Island, which was this wacky, fun neighborhood thing that just got shut down by the city. It was fun while it lasted. <laughs> here, here. Ed. Denver businessman Rob Schwartz has produced a documentary about the life of Menachem Begin that's going to do its national premiere on June 7th. I've gotten a chance to see it. It's not only a fascinating movie, but I think it's a very important one for people to watch at a time to understand how someone who has a background that may not lead you to think they are a peacemaker can be a peacemaker when the world needs it most. Michael. So I'm a big sports fan, and uh, the Nuggets start the playoffs uh, tomorrow, which is good. Uh, with the Rockies playing so bad, being so bad this year, let's hope that the, the Nuggets go pretty far in the playoffs. If you can stay in Ball Arena, it's a great sports town. And, Caitlin, we go to you for your Say Something Nice. Um, I feel like I, I need to do something besides work, but I'm going to say another, another nice thing. It's also nice when Congress actually does work together in a bipartisan way. And I think the anti-Asian-American um, hate crimes bill that they passed this week is an example of that. It shows they can come together on an issue and move it forward. So, yay. Well, I think you get a special kudos, not only for your premiere on CIO, but finding a good thing uh, about to say about Congress, along with uh, a disgrace. Uh, well done. Uh, well done. And I want to encourage all of you, next Wednesday, the 26th, is our special live online event. You need to send in your questions right now because you get to be part of the discussion. It's not a normal program where we'll just be talking about the issues of the day. We'll be talking Talking about everything behind the scenes, we want to answer your questions. Email your questions for our panel to CIO at PBS12.org or comment on our posts on all the different uh, social media platforms. Then you can tune in on our website, social channels. If you look at Wednesday at 7 p.m. for our broadcast, it will not be there. You'll be, enjoy a great episode of The Carol Burnett Show. Go online. We, uh, we, we broadcast everything there. You'll, you'll be able to enjoy it on many different platforms. You'll be sure to get your question answered by our panel during the broadcast May 26th 
to 7 p.m. That is all time we have for this episode of Colorado Inside Out. Until Wednesday, you can check us out online. I'm, on behalf of everybody here at PBS 12, I'm Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you so much for watching. Good night.